This is the Employee Safety Podcast from Alert Media. We provide business professionals with insights and ideas for protecting their people from the vast array of threats facing organizations today. Each week, you'll hear advice and best practices from an experienced safety leader. Welcome to the show. Hi, I'm Sarah Prattley, and I'm happy to be back as your guest host this week. Today, I am joined by Jerry Glotzer, Corporate Manager of EHS, Security, Worker Compensation, Emergency Preparedness, and Risk Management for Tribune Publishing. Yes, that is his full title, if you can believe it. Tribune Publishing owns many major publications throughout the United States, such as Chicago Tribune, the Baltimore Sun, Daily Press, and more. The company also just celebrated its 175th anniversary this year. Jerry has more than 30 years of safety and emergency management experience in industries ranging from healthcare to media, but today he talks to us about safety and publishing and how it's evolved throughout the Tribune history. Let's go ahead and dive in. All right, Jerry, June 10th, 2022, so very recently, marked the 175th anniversary of Tribune Publishing, and that's incredibly impressive. I'm sure a lot has changed in those 175 years. Can you talk about how safety evolved over that time? I found that fascinating. I know our listeners will too. Well, sure. I think as all industries evolved and as equipment and processes evolved to become more efficient over time, I would say the significant changes occurred in the 70s and 80s, coinciding with some of the OSHA general industry standards that were promulgated at that time as well as the Environmental Protection Agency. Certainly in the printing industry, the use of heavy metals and volatile organic compounds and toxic materials that went into the making of the typeface and the pouring of metal molds, as well as the ergonomic stresses that were put on the workforce, this started to shift radically in the 70s and 80s when most printing of newsprint and commercial printing went to offset printing. So that is really the modern way that newspapers are printed today. The offset printing over time allowed the industry to use soy-based inks, less heavy metals in the color pigments that went into the inks, and also to reduce the volatile organic compounds in the blanket wash and fountain solutions. These are solutions that are used in the printing process itself on the major presses that are used. So overall, there's been a significant reduction in hazardous materials used throughout the production process. Number two, I would say that the concept of Lean and Six Sigma, that also drove innovations and efficiencies built into some of those processes and built into the newer equipment were safety guards on machinery so that previous pinch points or vulnerable risk areas in a huge press that's five stories tall will now be safer for workers. So innovations occurred in the technology and the materials used. Also, a lot of recycling is done. I'd say the biggest form of recycling that we do has to do with the plates, the aluminum plates that the content 
is now digitally put onto. In the past, metals had to be made into molten materials in vats in large production floors where the ventilation and the exposure to toxic metal fumes was a daily occurrence. This is before any of the worker safety laws, of course, went into effect. So I would say machine guarding, lockout, tagout, hazard communication and global harmonization standard, electrical safety, fire safety, all of these are part of the menu, if you will, that our workforce receives, all the general OSHA standards. So I think those were some of the drivers behind changes in safety in the uh, printing facilities. Yeah, absolutely. That's really interesting how everything has changed. Lots of evolution, especially based on those standards, obviously pushing in a completely different direction. In the areas that you focus, there are so many different kinds of emergencies and so much to be prepared for. Can you talk about what some of those types of emergencies are that Tribune prepares for and monitors for? Well, at the Tribune, we're in, as you mentioned, a number of U.S. cities across the country. We always conduct a risk assessment or a hazard vulnerability analysis annually. We already have a good feel for what our risks are, but we do want to quantify it and we have a plan. I think that's important for any organization. Then you begin to really understand and call out what weather or environmental risks might exist. They're going to be different in Florida than they would be perhaps in upstate New York. Blizzards versus tropical storms, okay? In California, you'd have to consider the seismic risk to your facilities. So first we look at environmental risks, and then we, because those ultimately, Sarah, can lead to business interruptions, not just individuals that could be hurt or worse, but also from a financial perspective, these are all threats to running your business properly or interruptions to your business. So we're always looking at and working with our individual markets on the next storm that might be coming, the next blizzard that might be coming. We have calls in advance We will strategize. We have plans. Do we need to prepare to have people sleep at the facility? At what wind speed will our trucks not be able to deliver product because it's not safe? Those are the kinds of triaging questions that we do. And the editors are on those calls because they're involved with deadlines. If we agree that the paper has to leave the facility two hours earlier, then as you know, Sarah, we have to shorten the deadline. And so that rolls down to the all the folks that are providing content. So it's really a huge team effort, but we try, we will we work hard to mitigate any risk to business and harm to the workforce. Number two, I would say security. Unfortunately, over the last few years has really become uh, front and center a significant risk, primarily to the journalists and photographers out in the field. Let me just say this. We developed a high-risk assignment training course that we've given to over 300 journalists now in Tribune. We've shared it with some of our industry colleagues. And it really gives the journalist and photographer 
very tactical movements. I mean, this is all about having two ways out. It's about how to position your body using a building so that someone doesn't come from behind you. It's about doing the risk assessment before the assignment to understand, is this demonstration permitted? And there's public record of who the sponsors and participants will be. And then what is the relationship to the press of those individuals? What's the local police force's relationship to the press? These are important questions for us to assess risk before the assignment occurs. Should we display press credentials? Should they be kept in a covert area? And then what equipment should we bring? How's the weather going to bring be? How should we dress? Do we need a gas mask? And we've done training on fitting on Zoom uh, reporters and photographers that have had to wear that. We built this upon a lot of the evidence-based material that's been published by the Committee to Protect Journalists and the FBI and Homeland Security. Plus, we brought in our own law enforcement colleagues that I've worked with. And together, we crafted a very valuable program that we've gotten good feedback from people in the field. But I'd say that's been our biggest focus now. Yeah, it's definitely scary to think about some of those scenarios, but so important in the world we live in, in the work that you and your teams are doing. Obviously, there's there's a lot going on out there. Let's talk about you for a few minutes. How do you personally remain agile and really adapt to evolving scenarios in EHS and security and emergency preparedness? Well, you know, I think keeping up with the regulations and the literature, that's fairly easy. Meaning OSHA doesn't promulgate new standards every year. So in terms of regulatory, that's fairly easy for an individual in this work to keep their eye on. However, what I think is more challenging, and I urge my colleagues to think about this, is what kind of leader are we? How valuable is our work to our workforce? How do we measure that? So I think you really have to create some self-assessments, you know, using your insurance brokers and some services that you might pay for to get a sense of the risk of your, your entire program. And then, you know, it helps you quantify that. That's number one. Number two, I think you have to be, I have always found success in being a servant leader. And that's a style of leadership where I'm always accessible to my colleagues. I'm always going to be authentic. These are traits that, you know, I think are part of the secret sauce of being a good leader. You got to be accessible. You got to be authentic. If you make a mistake, you have to be vulnerable enough to say, yeah, you know what? You're right. I forgot about that. Thank you for reminding me. You're right. And you have to be present. You have to be engaged. So I think that's the way you build trust with your colleagues and your workforce. And, you know, frankly, that might be more of a challenge for individuals. I would recommend people take, you know, like a Dale Carnegie course, not necessarily about influencing people, but really more about learning to not criticize or condemn and complain. That's really sometimes a challenge. I'm a very direct person. I'm from the Northeast. And when I've worked in different parts of the country, 
even Chicago. It's still the Midwest. People are have a slightly different cadence and a slightly different attitude. You, you have to be sensitive to that. When I lived and worked in California, even more so, managing work out there and people, it's different than managing it in New York. And so those nuances are important for one to note if you want to be a successful leader in safety and emergency management. Because if you you got to mobilize people and you've got to endear to people that when your boss and your manager is not around, it's really in your interest to do these safe practices. Yeah, those are great approaches and great tips. And as you said, a lot of those essential components to the secret sauce and leadership. So we have a number of safety leaders who tune into the podcast. And when you look ahead at 2023 and beyond, what would you say some of the emerging maybe one, two risks are out there that people should have as uh, top of mind going into the future? Well, we've gone through a radical change in some industries with the pandemic. And so where many workforces now you know, are divided, working from home, working at a facility. So I think that's one challenge that still is sort of yet to be determined how that'll pan out. Because I think for a safety person, the law doesn't allow you to do a house inspection. And of course, you would never do that. But then how do you address an ergonomic issue? Some of those are yet to be determined. On the other hand, I'd say the most significant ones would be weather, severe weather, and security. I really feel that until we get our ha- a handle on climate change and gun violence, I think those will be our two very big risks you know, going forward. Yeah, definitely two things that are very top of mind, especially as we get into the heightened activity in the weather seasons and uh, different patterns. And of course, after a lot of weekends of active shooter situations. Well, Jerry, thank you so much for being here today. I know our listeners will definitely appreciate your wide breadth of experience and advice. Thank you so much, Sarah. And I encourage the listeners to reach out to me offline or through LinkedIn or something if if you like. And I'm happy to converse with my colleagues off of the podcast. Thank you. That's fantastic. Thank you so much, Jerry. And of course, thank you to all of our listeners for joining us on the Employee Safety Podcast. It's been a pleasure filling in for Peter again today. And if you like what you've heard, I encourage you to subscribe to future episodes at Alert Media's website or on your favorite podcast player. We'd also appreciate you giving us a quick rating on Apple Podcast or Spotify to help others find our show. Stay safe out there. Thank you for listening to the Employee Safety Podcast from Alert Media, the industry's most intuitive emergency communication and threat intelligence solution. To learn more about how to protect your people and business during critical events, visit alertmedia.com. Until next time.